Hi, Paul. Hi, Janina. <laughs> how, so are, <laughs> how are things today? <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Janina? You're so, like, do we always have to have a good topic for every podcast? <laughs> do we? No, we don't. But this but time. But somehow we always do. Yeah. And this time we have an excellent topic. We have a great topic today. Yeah. What are we going to talk about today? 5G and IoT, Internet no. of Things. That's better. The Internet of Things. Mm. What is it? What can it do for us? What areas are we connecting? When is it going to happen? <laughs> When is it going to happen? And what about, what, what does 5G do? What does 5G do? Exactly. Yeah. It's a 5G podcast. Yeah. We can't talk about the Internet of Things without talking about 5G. Oh, well, a little but, bit. <laughs> but what? T- tell me honestly, Janina, yep. what do you know about the Internet of Things? I, I'm, I love the Internet of Things. I'm, I'm so into it that I normally just use the abbreviation IoT all the time and think that everyone knows what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but but I thought maybe if we're going to talk about 5G and the Internet of Things, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be good to have an expert that could talk to us about it? That's why we have Murray Hogan coming here. So it is. Yeah. Lovely to have you here, Mary Hogan, Head of Broadband and IoT here at Ericsson Networks. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. Lovely. And I got that title right as well. Then. You did. <laughs> Very good. Perfect. And you're from Ireland. That's true. Yes. But I've been in Sweden for mm, 14 and a half years now already. Oh. So. Oh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Nearly yeah. Swedish. You're, yeah. You're not Swedish yet then. No, getting there, getting, getting there. there. I, always I, be a bit I, Irish as well, though, of course. Yeah, <laughs> always. I, I took the big step and, and became Swedish, so. Mm, yeah, good for you. <coughs> yeah. Well, with Brexit, well, it's exactly. like, with, with <laughs> there's Brexit. something pushing. <laughs> a quicker incentive, perhaps. We, we, could, yeah. we could have a whole new podcast about Brexit. <laughs> yes. We usually, and we, we usually talk a lot of Brexit here in between takes, <laughs> right? Uh, so we do. It's a post special interest That's at the moment. Topic of, yeah. yes, indeed. Yeah, we could have lots of interesting discussions between the Irish and the yeah, British about Brexit. We could solve a few problems. All the nice memories. <laughs> Thanks. <for your> <laughs> But, um, uh, what I was going to say is that we have at least 57 listens In, uh, listener listens in Ireland, so Ooh. Ireland is listening to our podcast. Okay, so great. Yeah, thank you, all Irish people as well. Uh, uh, and uh, now we are going to talk 5G and IoT. 5G and the Internet of Things, Janina. Thank you, Paul. I am. I've been so much into IoT for such a long time. You know, I always have my wearables. I've had that for. A uh, long time, and I'm always like reading up on how you can connect connect things. Uh, and uh, so, I, for me, IoT has become like, oh, this is it. This so is I it. I never talk about the Internet of Things. Internet of Things, but that is IoT is of course connecting things, connecting. And please, Marie, join <laughs> in. What is IoT? Help me here. Yeah. So I mean, I guess to me, IoT is exactly exactly that connecting things to things really i mean mm-hmm. you know when we when we built gsm we were building it for voice when we built um wideband we were building for voice and then we added in data and then 
we're building LTE data particularly, and we started with smartphones and laptops, etc. And now moving from 4G ad- to 4G advanced and onto 5G, mm. we're connecting things to things. So mm. anything from, you know, little simple sensors to maybe entire factories. So there are a lot of things we can do, uh, a lot of things we can connect. Yeah. Yeah, and lots of things we can do with things. Yes, when we connect things to other things, <laughs> making things better, mm? making things better and and simpler. I think simpler. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how how is this starting off now? Do we see that there is a lot of connecting things happening? We do. World. I mean, I think we've been connecting things for a long time. So yeah, there was this uh, Ericsson's uh, like we went out really really early saying, oh, we would have. Uh, What was it now? 50, 50 billion connections. billion connected devices, right? In 2021, was it? At the time? Uh, something like that. We first started talking about it in about, I can't remember, 2008 or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, we've been collecting connecting things for years with um, 2G GSM or, or 3G as well. Um, vending machines. Um, point of sales. Every, point of sales, every, precisely. Every time the waiter comes to you to, to take you to, to, with the machine to pay your bill at the restaurant. Yeah, and then it's wireless that's a, connection. That's a wireless connection. Is that Normally called point, point of sale? That's or called point of sale. Oh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, n- <coughs> but now then, when we're moving to 4G, of course, um, you know, there's maybe demand for a little bit longer battery life on some of those use cases or or a little bit more data. And and then we start... Uh, you mean our, 5G? With, no, I mean 4G, actually. Oh. Now, today, with um, massive IoT, for example, is uh, one of the IoT, cellular IoT technologies that we use to connect things in our 4G networks. Okay. Mm. So things are revving up already with uh, with 4G. Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, let me see, we there are maybe 80 or so commercial networks with massive IoT and 4G networks today. And uh, happy to say Ericsson empowers more than half of those. But mm. um, those are connecting maybe the more simpler use cases like parking meters, smart parking meters or smart meters in the home, monitor your readings occasionally, maybe remote sensors in locations. And when you say monitoring mm-hmm. your readings, you mean electricity, yeah, exactly. water. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or, or you could have yeah. sensors for, for weather control. Not control. <laughs> That's a bit optimistic, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, monitoring the weather, you know. Uh, it would sell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Especially, Especially <laughs> <laughs> yeah, So, I mean, yeah. monitoring, you know, uh, temperature, and, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, air pollution, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think we were talking before we started here in smart connections to the bicycles yeah know, tracking uh, I, I think yeah. Yeah, I don't know about where where our listeners live but certainly here in Stockholm and I know in, in other cities it's, it's yeah. quite a lot of these higher and rental bikes that are kind of lying around on the street and you just go along with a mobile app and, exactly. and, and, and away you go mm-hmm. and that's and the yeah, internet and of things exactly and if yeah. you own those bikes that company you might want a tracker to see where it has disappeared to. So, you know, there's lots of, lots yeah. of use cases that we already are rolling out yeah. and in the field today. I yeah, I think, I mean, things like uh, shipping containers and lorries. Yes, when exactly. You're, when, you're, when you're doing refrigerated goods, moving them around. Precisely. You want, you want to be able to monitor and, and know what's happening with what's on the load. Yeah, tracking mm. and logistics. And I think that's one of the good things about um, cellular IoT yeah. in particular, right. because then you can track that truck or, or those goods um, on a global basis, mm. global sort of standard and, you know, linked up everywhere. So that's really, that's really good for uh, any tracking logistics type of company. Yeah, but, but it's also good, actually good for the people who make the devices because 
they they know that wherever it gets shipped in the world, wherever it's going to be used, mm. it, it will be able to be connected up. It's not mm. like it's not like having a, a because it's a standard because exactly, it's, and you don't have to have multiple yeah. different mm. standards in your, yeah. your little chipset. It's, <laughs> it's a simple, straightforward way of connecting the globe. I think is maybe mm. a lofty cool. way of saying it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the just that this uh, that cellular makes it work wherever you are, or wherever the thing is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not just where you are, but where yeah. the thing is. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I guess if we're going to be a bit technical, then you could say cellular IoT for us is something defined in a specification by 3GPP specifically. Mm. Right. Yeah. And we've talked about 3GPP oh, before. We yes. <coughs> we, we, we know what 3GPP is in our. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, and if you're listening and you don't know what 3GPP is, then you need to start back at episode one. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but okay, so we've, we've talked about uh, the Internet of Things, and we talked about uh, how it's changed from the simple two G devices, uh, massive, massive Internet of Things that we have today with with four G. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen now? What, what's coming, and what's fi- what difference is five G going to make? Yeah, so um, I think there will be quite a lot of new opportunities with five G and the technology. And five G, um, I should say, even before we move to five G, though LTE advanced. Um, can bring a lot of things with higher higher data rates and lower latencies than maybe you could get from the massive IoT type of connectivity. But when we get to 5G then, um, the technology is sort of built for ultra-reliability and extremely low latency. So it can enable a lot of complicated use cases, more challenging use cases. Take, for example, um, we talk a lot about autonomous driving. I Mm. see a lot of buzz in the field about autonomous driving and those type of use cases where you really want to have good reliability, you know, for collision avoidance, for example, or driving with uh, hands off or Mm -hmm. for no steering wheel at all, maybe. (laughs) You want to make sure that it's very reliable and really quick response times. And those are the kind of use cases that are coming with uh, 5G advanced. So Mm. not day one, not today, but... Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work yeah. uh, to uh, enable those types of use cases. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, I mean, because there, there it is, uh, it really needs to be, as you say, reliable. It's mm. like there is no no chance for a failed connection <laughs> or yeah, or error or, or a security yes. breach. So it's like, it's true. It's yeah, a lot there. exactly. And uh, I mean, 5G as well, of course, you know, it brings, um, it's a, a few different uh, spectrum bands, if you like, where you can broadcast on. So we'll have a lot of new spectrum that we can yeah. run our 5G connectivity on. And then that means you have a lot of space effectively to connect a lot more things and you have a lot of uh, spectrum. So you can have much faster data rates, mm-hmm. more complicated use cases, immersive uh, AR, uh, VR, things uh, like immersive that. Immersive AR, VR. <laughs> Fun for gaming and, you know, yeah. those types of uh, use cases. So of course. Not just course. the industrial company players but you know c- consumers I mean, I mean, I mean it's, it's like the PC world I mean the, the people that make you know the, the people that are most demanding when it comes to the performance of a PC they're, they're the people that play games yep the absolute quickest they're reaction the times <coughs> they're the ones that want the sh- you know the short yeah. latency they're the ones that want the really powerful graphics cards and exactly and, and the graphics we've done a lot of studies actually on, on latency reaction time for humans and uh Gamers are very close to the top, um, much faster than the three of us, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, right up there with uh, sort of uh, fighter pilots. So, yeah. um, 
but your average human probably can handle a bit less, you know, a bit higher latency. In the a bit higher, <laughs> yeah. A bit higher latency. Yeah. So, I, so I saw a number read, written down that said that if for 5G we're going to support a million devices per square kilometre. Wow. Yeah, so... There are lots of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, can, I can tell you the cellular IoT numbers, maybe. Oh, well, so, well, but that was a cellular IoT uh, number. Aha, uh -huh, okay. So, I, so um, when, when I, I usually talk about cellular IoT, maybe today we, we have um, about a billion cellular IoT connections in the networks. That's mm. not just 4G and it's not yet 5G. You know, it's everything from 2G, 3G. But... Uh, I think what our mobility report says then is by 2024, we'll have something like 5.2 billion cellular IoT connections. Yeah. And then we start adding more and more with these new use cases. So, yeah, yeah maybe a, a million per square kilometer. That's a lot of, a lot <laughs> yeah. of sensors. That's, uh, that, that's, that's yeah. actually one, that's one per square meter. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> although, although I guess if you uh, you know if you put up a twenty-five story building, that's uh, one per square meter shared across twenty-five stories. So it, it's not a lot of connected fridges. <laughs> well, you say that, but I mean, if you put a you put a car into a car park and a car's got maybe fifty sensors in it that, that need to exactly. be connected, and there are two you know there are two hundred cars in the car park. In, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a lot of devices. It is all of a sudden. sensors for the car tires, sensors for the engine temperature, sensors for the external environment. Many. Yeah, mm -hmm. tire yeah, pressure, that's charging that's levels. Mm -hmm. Is there any area where you see that this is taking off uh, first? Is there any particular use? So there are a huge variation on the types of use cases we see um, around the world around the world mm -hmm. yeah so um i would say the 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 uh, bigger use cases from a you know terms of number of things connected would be um tracking and logistics in mm -hmm. goods vehicles for example as paul you mentioned um uh, also because yeah, there's also like the tracking of uh, of actual like drivers uh, yeah the actual vehicle itself the actual truck and, yeah, and the then all truck. the crates yeah. inside the truck or you know monitor temperature if it's refrigerated truck yeah. or you know um so tracking and logistics uh, is one of the bigger use cases um smart meters is really big mm. so meters in the home monitor your electricity readings or your you know gas readings or whatever yeah um there's some uh use cases uh, like um say maybe more consumer oriented so if you're an outdoor hiker for example you can have a sensor in your hike, hiking jacket to monitor maybe where you are or, or you know if there's yeah. an accident or something like that so like a like a safety precaution uh, exactly mm -hmm. exactly mm -hmm. um and then you know little sensors where you might want to track your kids to see to see uh, <laughs> <laughs> see they're safe on, on the way home from school or you know there's yeah. a yeah. lot of different applications i think uh, there's a big uh, push around the you know connected things in the home as well mm -hmm. make your life easier and uh, um, mm. uh, smart parking uh, yeah. is another one so I, those are the ones you might ID see ID your dog and that kind of thing yeah exactly yeah. so right. those are more maybe visible Janina. ones you know I need uh, I need one of those <laughs> <laughs> see what we can do <laughs> when, you, when, when, when your dog runs off into uh, over the horizon you can get your app out and, and, and track where your dog has got to uh, yeah. <coughs> actually one yeah. of the more popular use cases uh, when we started talking about this at Mobile World Congress you know in 2016 was a mm -hmm. livestock tracking actually and there's quite oh, a yes. that's really popular in you know certain countries in particular with the really big farms or you know say um, oh, yeah. Australia US mm -hmm. China so tracking um, cows little sensor 
and the cow, see where they are, see the temperature. Mm. I so, remember yeah. the connected cow. Yeah, the connected yeah. cow, yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot about farming, actually, <laughs> at that Mobile World Congress. <laughs> and, but, uh, and talking about that, there is also a lot of uh, use cases in agriculture. Right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, say sensors in the, in the soil to monitor... Um, Oh, uh, I'm no expert on on on, on vineyards, but <laughs> monitor maybe the moisture in the the soil and see when it's good to harvest a crop. Or we've we've uh, there's a lot of applications in um, vineyards or you know maybe big um, sort of industrial farming mm. setups where you might want to see when crops are ready to harvest mm. or if you need to water something. And mm. uh, so very simple kind of examples, but very practical from a management perspective yeah you know so when we're talking about connecting things it's mm-hmm. not just things actually it is also living beings yeah <laughs> and, exactly and exactly yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. cool so these uh, the the connected devices are they getting smaller and smaller now yeah so it depends i suppose on the use case but for these simpler use cases in the massive iot mm-hmm. segment if you want to call it that um the the idea is that the devices should be very cheap and not not complicated um, and they can support you know small amounts of data not so demanding on a latency perspective maybe they can last for 10 years in some cases um, if you bury it in the soil somewhere in a rural scenario so long battery life so simple and small devices mm. at, the, at that stage um, and then as we move maybe into 5g and have more complicated scenarios you won't see those really challenging and complex scenarios being solved with very basic devices, obviously. So, so still yeah. use for for more for all sorts of of, of absolutely uh, types. And of course, many things we haven't built yet. So mm. who knows? Maybe they will be mm. teeny yeah. tiny devices as well. But uh, this huge evolution all the time, right? And chipset manufacturing. So of course. Mm. And we don't know what's coming. Absolutely. We can guess, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're consistently we surprised, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing we've heard about, about 10 years battery life, mm. is that coming? Yeah, so... So 10 years, should yeah. perhaps complain, uh, explain that a little bit more. But, like, one mm. of the big things in IoT right now is, of course, that uh, they need uh, power. Mm-hmm. So, like, you like, when you... And, and when you use uh, IoT devices out in the field, it's, it's like it might be cumbersome mm-hmm. to have to gather them up and, and charge them uh, exactly. <laughs> once every year or even that, right? So Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, you know, we say 10 years battery life mm-hmm. and technically, of course, that's possible. But it depends on, you know, the scenario. If you send a huge amount of data all the time, then yeah. obviously that takes more power. So... They, um, and it's a little difficult to run a test case in your lab with for 10 years. But, um, so, I mean, the 10 years is, is related uh, a lot to using data maybe sporadically um, when needed, mm-hmm. regular, small but the, amounts. But, but of course, but, um, the, the 10 years battery mm-hmm. life, that's for the, the Internet of Things chip. Yes. Well, you know, and it assumes, mm-hmm. as you as you say, a certain certain usage no, cycle. It's not for your smartphone. And and no. it also assumes a certain type <laughs> of battery. <laughs> yeah, it does indeed. And, but, but, I mean, but but you put a, you can put one of those chips into something else, and then it depends can. on the something else. As yeah, to and I mean how here long the is, gonna last. exactly. And here in Stockholm, you see they already have um, you know sort of solar powered parking meters mm-hmm. um, in the area yes. where I live. Yeah. yeah. So so you know and, you th- and trash bins as well. Uh, 
Damn, that's uh, that yeah. I haven't seen. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you use um, sustainable um, power, uh, power, yeah. then uh, mm. you know that extends things as well. So it's a combination yeah. of many things. You know how you use that particular chipset, and then if you can access from uh, solar power and things like that. Possibly in parts of Ireland, that mightn't be so good, <laughs> <laughs> but we have, we have really sunny days there too. Yeah. You'll, have, uh, you'll have water power instead, like oh, rain, rain, rain power. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. The green island. Uh, so, uh, perhaps we should start going into the why we invited you for this week in particular, because mm-hmm. you're doing this big launch. Sorry, now I said it anyway, even though I said oh, no. I wouldn't say that. Yes. <laughs> I'll cut it out. Cut we have out. news. We have news. We have news this week. So, Marie, you have, you, your team are now specifying different areas of which uh, IoT will be uh, used. You've spe- specified this vision towards 5G of cellular IoT. Yes. Indeed. Tell us about it. Yeah, so um, the evolution of cellular IoT, basically. Um, so what we wanted to do really was to, you know, make the story clear for where we are today with with uh, IoT connectivity, cellular IoT. And uh, we talked about the simple use cases, massive IoT. And, and what next? What happens now after this? Um, so we wanted to lay out a sort of a vision um, for where the world of cellular IoT is going from mm-hmm. a connectivity point of view. So we've um, sort of uh, defined four segments. The first, massive IoT, um, uh, a new mm-hmm. segment that we've defined, but not necessarily all new functionality is broadband IoT. Mm-hmm. So that's for those kind of use cases that might need higher data rates and lower latency maybe than massive IoT. And you can combine that capability with other features to handle, you know, use cases like drones management. So you could combine it with uh, drone detection and have a drone monitoring a remote site for maintenance, sending back high speed video and, you know, for one example. So just to take things slowly Mm higher. So massive IoT, that is managing a lot of devices out there, right? Simple simple devices. Simple devices, but a lot of them and making sure that they are connected and up and running and getting Data through and then in our 4G networks today. In our 4G, yeah. Yeah. And then we can also, in those 4G networks, handle um, probably maybe less connections in this this segment, the broadband IoT, but, uh, you know, use cases that have uh, a lot of data demands, maybe. Mm -hmm. So uh, video, some sort of AR, VR. So if you've got something with a camera and you want to send send information back, that Infotainment in your car, maybe. Yeah, uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then uh, that's another maybe more advanced or challenging set of use cases in our 4G network, but that you can start doing during this year as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then as we start moving to 5G, we've defined two segments. One is critical IoT mm-hmm. that may be fairly well known to the technical community. Uh, so that means but when 5G will enable really low latency, ultra low latency, we like to call it, and ultra reliability, and then mm. at a you know, variety of data rates, 
then mm. you can do these very complicated use cases like um, smart factory with things like uh, automated guided vehicles, you know, something driving around, moving packing crates you want both for security and safety for the workers and, and for the vehicle to know where it's going, be able to stop quickly and maybe have some video camera. So things that that reliable and, and, and can't fail. Uh, yeah, yeah, should mm-hmm. not fail and have need very quick response times, really uh-huh. automated driving yeah. and things like that. So that's critical. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have a fourth segment, which is really just being defined in mm. 3GPP standardization right now. Um, and that's that fourth segment we at Ericsson are calling industrial automation IoT. So mm-hmm. a little bit longer title there. But yeah. what we mean with that segment really is we would target those last extremely complicated use cases, particularly for, you know, manufacturing or an industrial campus type of setting. Mm-hmm. So if you might have heard of Industry 4.0. Yeah. And um, that's... Uh, and we've learned that that's a European term. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if I were to say what it means, really, it's all about digitalizing the manufacturing industry. So... If I have a manufacturing plant or factory, the ultimate goal really is to have everything connected, working together um, and preferably wireless. So today, many systems, uh, some very complicated procedures in some cases, um, connected with wires and uh, you know that means it's quite hard to move things around and maybe some some systems connected on uh, non-cellular type of uh, connections and maybe they're not as reliable and you have to coordinate and manage all of these systems but 5g yeah. should be able to bring all of these together in one system uh-huh. yeah, i know yeah. I, I know from previous experience that as soon as you start wanting to make up customized cables for connecting things together with you know i need six wires for this and a, and a coax cable for that and then mm. i need some power connections and then i need to find a connector that will make it happen mm. and then I need to make it into a cable assembly that needs to be not too long and not yeah. too short um, and uh, you know you spend a lot of time and a lot of money making yeah, a cable exactly. and then you decide to move the machine and then you have to make another one yeah <coughs> so, uh, so it's they're kind of all about flexibility and you know mobility of the system and mm. well, I mean we use terms like collaborative robotics and uh, you know if you have robots on an assembly line Mm -hmm. talking to each other Mm -hmm. wirelessly and maybe talking to other clusters of robots doing a different task in a different place in the factory and you know it's um the the ambition i think is very interesting and so that's what we're working on defining in the longer 5g term so Mm. but you'll start to see some things appearing in the next couple of years but 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 what's happening in 3gpp is we're we're defi- making definition of standards for, mm-hmm. the, for the mobile industry to support that. Exactly. But, but we're actually talking with the with the people that will use those things to understand. What that's it, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, so in three G PPM for this industrial uh, definition, industrial automation, um, what's different from what we did before with when we're defining maybe the specifications for smartphone connectivity and mm. um, all the big industry players are now in 3gpp as well helping to put the real requirements that we should fulfill in there and of course ericsson is um involved in a lot of activities outside of 3gpp 5g acia mm. itut you know a lot of standards bodies are, are interested um in, in special interest forums to mm. uh, to uh, get these definitions correct 
And, and the and first one you mentioned there, 5G ACIA, mm-hmm. what is that? I can never remember what, <laughs> what it stands for. You don't need to tell me what it stands for, just, just what's, what's it all about? Um, so, so um, I think uh, it's one of the many forms that we have um, to define what 5G can do for the industrial digitalization. Okay. Um, and so we work with many different players. We run um, proof of concepts ourselves in, um, you know, with uh, special bodies. For example, take Fraunhofer Institute in Germany. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the more advanced proof of concepts we've done there is, uh, and you can search this up online, uh, to to test out making a very specialized BLISC, B-L-I-S, Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Blades um, using a kind of 5G latency. That is the yeah. jet engine. Exactly. Uh, ro- rotor blades. <laughs> ro- rotor blades. Uh, uh, yes. Blades for jet engines. Yeah, yeah. that Precise, needs to be yeah. really, really um, carefully machined. Yeah, machined out. So yeah, exactly. Perfect. And, uh, and I, if I, just to hmm? stop, because I think because uh, I think it's an interesting use case because I used to work in the avionics industry <coughs> but uh, if I understand what's happening with with that they're, whilst they're machining they're actually monitoring for vibrations and, and exactly. that type of thing so uh, because, of if it, because if the mm. piece starts to move whilst you're machining it more than a certain amount then then the uh, then it becomes untrue you, you know the dimensions are wrong mm-hmm. yeah um, the, the whole the whole piece is slightly off and needs yeah. to be so and, and normally basically they machine it and then they measure it and say uh, no, throw that one. Yeah. So now you can <laughs> throw that exactly. One. So now you can adjust and stop the process much, much faster. And yeah. so, uh, if the listeners search up our Blisk Blisk video, they can see all the statistics and you and, know and how, how that works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how it works? Well, how it works, and then the sort of latency figures and what it saves from both, even in an environmental perspective. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, you don't discard all of this. Uh, all the waste material, material exactly, yeah, yeah, and, so and all the energy that goes into, mm, into precisely. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I think a, a lot of Internet of Things use cases, you know, a lot of them contribute to doing things more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that, that means you know taking less time, using less en- energy, mm-hmm. exactly, know, and, yeah. and less wastage. Yeah, and also yeah. F- from an ar- environmental view to to monitor, like we did with the mangroves, and, and like to mm-hmm. to yeah. to keep. A lookout, so some so things uh, environmental quality yeah. as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. water water quality monitoring that mm-hmm. type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. yeah, so good for society mm-hmm. as well as beneficial for the, you know, the industry. I think so. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good. And I googled the five G A C I A. You can remind me five G Alliance for Connected Industries and Automation. Exactly. That sounds about mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Right. So uh, Ericsson are one of the founding members of, of that hmm. so uh you know well, it's, as you said we're involved in many many different bodies to to make sure we have tried to define the right requirements we build the right mm-hmm. uh, networks and we yeah. support mm-hmm. in the right way for these yeah uh, it's all about uh, making these uh, standards so that people who are on the other side perhaps mm-hmm. making these connected devices Mm. Uh, can then use the networks that we are. Yeah, exactly. Out. I mean, we can build our networks here at Ericsson, of course, but um, if we don't have any 
devices or sensors that can use the network, then of course that's not very useful. So we we talk about the whole ecosystem end to end. That's what these global standards are really, really good for, really important for. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the 5G, no, sorry, the indus- industrial automation IoT, mm. uh, does it have special requirements on the network? I mean, because that's very, very connected to 5G, as you mm. as you say. That's in the future. Yeah. What, what kind of requirements do you see that uh, having that we don't have today? Um, so there are a lot of different things. But if I say a few examples, um, we probably, for many of those type of use cases, would need extremely precise positioning. So maybe mm. down to a couple of centimeters. You know, if you yes, want to switch of off this expensive robot, you don't want to accidentally switch off the one next to it, right? Um, <laughs> and then things like what we say deterministic networking. We need to enable support for very um, specific use cases might require certain characteristics. So you m- it may be extremely low latency isn't critical, but having uh, a very tight variation in the latency might mm. be really important. So that, mm-hmm. so that means that when I send a signal, I know that within a certain time that signal will get to where it, yeah. where, where it should get to. So it's more important that it gets there within that time than faster or slower. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, then other examples, um, connecting things with uh, industrial protocols. A lot of those run over Ethernet today. And mm. maybe in, in the third segment, critical IoT, you could, of course, run them with encapsulation over Ethernet, but um, really you want to sort of have some network with uh, native Ethernet support so it speeds things up even even more. And would that then be like network slicing or? Yeah, no, so network slicing is maybe a different thing and that mm. can uh, apply all the way up to from massive IoT to broadband to critical to industrial automation. So network slicing from our radio access network perspective, it means we divide up the network um, a little bit to give a certain use case, certain um, type of characteristics. So if Mm. you have, you know, um, some drones network that you want to run within the bigger network, we we might enable them, you know, give you access to certain speed, data speeds guaranteed or certain reliability. So it's about slicing up the network so different use cases get what they need yep. when they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we call it things like resource partitioning or certain quality of service allocations to certain types of uh, use cases or industries. Yeah, and, um, and of course that's not just happening in in the access network but it's also happening what happens in the functions in the core of the network you you can move you can move process software processes so that instead of running remotely in the cloud Mm -hmm. somewhere they they run on a on an yeah. server which is near to it. Exactly. Or, or, or so they you, run you, in your factory. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point because I was more talking about slicing in the say vertical <laughs> dimension, but yeah, slicing in the in 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 the horizontal dimension then is is another very um, important thing. We had a RAN compute launch uh, a few uh, before Christmas, so as you say, that's about moving functionality upwards or downwards in the network, like nearer to the antenna or further away, depending oh. mm. on what you want to You're do. You're getting a mm. lot of new ideas for, for, for forthcoming podcasts here that we need to talk <laughs> about here. We do need to talk <laughs> more about <laughs> yes, network slicing. Yes, we do need to talk about that. Uh, but we also, in this, where we're talking about 5G and IoT, 
I feel like I need to know something about all the words that's connected to the different types of IoT devices, like what is it, um, CatM and mm. uh, and all those kinds of things. Was LTEM as well? And like, what what what's the difference between these things? Yeah. So. Um, for a more detailed explanation, <laughs> you can check out our white paper, <laughs> which is called Evolution of Cellular IoT. Uh, so then you'll actually see some quite detailed explanations. But if okay. I were to uh, give a few examples. So we have massive IoT that we're, we're saying is commercially being deployed now. And in that, we, we, have, we talk about two technologies, connectivity technologies, narrowband IoT and CATM. And the difference is really uh, narrowband uh, uses, takes it, it sends less data, mm -hmm. um, so smaller um, carriers, if you like, mm -hmm. um, and CATM has a little more data and is a bit more um, capable and can also maybe support voice in certain scenarios. They're both uh, good for battery life or extended coverage. They, um, they both actually can have coverage of up to 100 kilometers now with uh, our Ericsson solution. But so they're yes. similar. But uh, the main difference, I think, from a, you know, uh, end user point of view is the narrowband IoT are, are supposed to be even uh, simpler and less complex devices. So there would be a price difference between the slightly less capable narrowband and the more capable CAT M. Mm -hmm. mm. So and then yep. uh, I mean LTE LTE <coughs> LTE M is uh, a whole um, category of devices that refers to extended coverage capabilities and mm -hmm. you know battery power savings. But CAT M is a part of that that refers to the less complicated devices. So. This is probably mm. explained in clearer mm. words in, in our white paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, th uh, I think you I know, think we, we've talked before about, yeah. about mm. categories of devices. So mm. that mm. so that even smartphones, the chips inside are different categories. Exactly. So mm -hmm. so I think the original LTE device, uh, smartphone, the original <laughs> LTE phones yeah. when they, when they came in, they're category four. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. now, if you get an LTE advanced smartphone that can do one one point two gigabits per second, yeah. then you're maybe talking about category eighteen or something. Yeah, and I mean Ooh. we're even discussing, but not not out there yet, the category twenty two, and you know. So yeah. if you if you talk about um, and and those are for the very high end smartphones, of course. Yeah. You know where you can take great photos and you know have very good quality sound and yeah. high data rates. Um, but then if you talk about something like a car, um, they'll probably put in these very basic sensors for some cases, monitoring tire pressure. We mentioned for massive IoT, but also they will probably have um, category nine devices and upwards for those higher speed scenarios. Yep. Downloading yep. software or, or infotainment, or yeah, and and LTEM, which you talked about, the the introduced categories specifically mm. for Internet of Things, exactly, which like started with category one, I think, and then category zero, and then category M. Yeah, and some so some of those, and they they get to you know as you, as you go along in time, the devices get simpler, they get they get cheaper, and therefore yeah, more attractive to deploy. But maybe they support lower bandwidth, mm. lower data rates, mm -hmm. and, and that's perfect uh, for some use cases. You don't yeah. need the category eighteen smartphone mm. chipset to, no. you know, to, to, uh, to, to send a signal meter. saying, "Yeah, my electricity 
usage is X. <laughs> yeah. Today. Yeah, today. Yeah. If, so, it, yeah. And, and by that prolonging battery life and, and, mm. and uh, yeah. maintenance. So, yeah, exactly. makes sense. So it's sort of, I mean, you could look at it as tailoring the device capability for the type of need that it should fulfill, mm. really. Yeah. Mm. Is there any type of device that you are looking for or any use of IoT that you are personally looking forward to in the future? Or, or is it connecting your home or is it connecting something else? Or What, what are you into in this area? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess uh, uh, maybe lots of different things. Um, I, I would like to have a really good wearable, <laughs> like to run. So, um, you know, something that monitored your... Um, all of your sort of performance, if you like, uh, when you're running and, and can feed that back. We have smart watches already today, yeah. of course, but they're getting more capable all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, infotainment in cars, I'm definitely interested. Mm -hmm. Three kids, it's good to, <laughs> <laughs> to keep them occupied in the yes. back of the car. Yeah. And uh, I like the idea of a certain level of autonomous driving as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I think uh, any environmental Uh, use cases, I think, would be really great. Also, more mm. and more of those are needed, and as you said, less wasted. You know, it's good for the planet and sustainability oh, in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'd like to see uh, a lot of those rural use cases rolling out as well. Uh, we have uh, a, an example in our studio here um, of a landslide alert system. You know, I mm. think those kind of. Uh, Um, I mean, with very simple devices, you can make a really big difference, I think, to humanity as yes. such. You know, yeah. if you have early warning systems mm -hmm. for landslides or volcanoes erupting or yeah, tsunami. Yeah. yeah, and those those really aren't so difficult to to deploy or, or implement. And mm. They can make a really mm. big difference. And know? just to explain, mm. that's like when you get an automatic warning in your phone mm. or Exactly. Other devices, possibly, yeah, that, yeah. that uh, says, like, oh, now it's time to go to that shelter. Or yeah, or move from this area. Get the out of air. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know or that if you... take action. Like, have a lookout for this robber. We yeah, just had a bank exactly. robbery or something. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. a kind of for the general good, but benefits in financial ways as well. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, smart cities. Um, if you had better, um, you know, interactive transport systems, yeah. you could avoid collisions. And, yeah, we could, uh, put, we could put tags on traffic wardens. Then yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're talking. Then you could have an app in your phone that says, Watch "Warning!" Out the uh, but you know the kind of use cases I think are cool and um, probably are um, for a, a certain age bracket. Maybe mm -hmm. <laughs> I know uh, teenage kids. Uh, my teenage kids would be uh, very happy to have the fully immersive AR VR, you know, Ooh, yeah. on their surrounding systems at home. So I think I think the use cases would be uh, different demands and different uh, different. Uh, age groups and different uh, interests. But uh, I guess the, the really key thing is that the technology will actually be, ca be capable of addressing mm -hmm. any of these. It's yeah. really mm. up to yeah. industry and society. But, but, what but I, I mean, you, you talk yeah. about different use cases for different, mm. you know, different age groups, talk mm. about your teenagers, but of mm. course you can see the opposite. And you, we talk about wearables, mm. you know, a wearable that, that, that monitors your, your health when you're, when you're old, elderly and living alone. Mm. No, mm. that's you know that yeah, connected up. You no, know, not just connect up your house for security. You can no, connect your, yourself and, yes. for mm. you health know, reasons. Health reasons, well, yeah. you know, for absolutely uh, help you maintain your independence. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there are very, very many applications. Mm. Mm. I think techno the technology we have or will have um, will be able to support 
all of these possibilities really so yeah the opportunities are, are great it's a very exciting area <laughs> it is it's a super uh, exciting area because mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking the other day that oh i would love to have my my uh, like washing machine my fridge having some sort of connection with a supplier mm-hmm. like uh, to to just have like oh i have a problem here well perhaps take like uh, call up the owner and uh, and say that hey we see that your refrigerator is uh, not uh, working correctly how about we send you uh, yeah, yeah. a handyman or remote, remote how maintenance. about yeah <laughs> or actually oh, i mean one of our bigger customers um, AT&T have recently uh, last year launched uh, uh, what they call a cat in button Mm-hmm. With the massive IoT technology, and uh, basically you can have these buttons all over your house. So um, not as advanced as fixing your washing machine, but if you go to your washing machine and you have no washing powder, then you can press the button that you've placed there, and then it will be ordered. You know, the washing powder. <laughs> so there's all all sorts of levels, and uh, yeah, maybe we should uh, mention that as well. Mm-hmm. We talk about four different segments, but um, you know, of varying complexity use mm-hmm. cases. But uh, all of those segments uh, often can be used in the same type of industry you know mm-hmm. so if you have a, a automotive industry you can have simple use cases for massive iot with sensors yeah. you can have a little bit more advanced broadband iot mm-hmm. software downloads and infotainment and then you could have um use cases for um critical iot where you talk about autonomous driving or collision avoidance mm-hmm. so you can combine these use cases eventually in the yeah and then the industrial automation it when you when you smart factory for for the the car manufacturer but all of those classes you know if mm. you go into a in, to go into a factory in 2025 mm. all of those classes will be in use in the same factory yeah they certainly could be i mean we um we already see some of the massive iot use cases happening in factories now so you know, trucks coming in and out of the factories, monitoring traffic and logistics, the goods that Mm. are going in and out. You could have sensors for uh, stock maintenance. Stock control. Stock level, stock control, exactly. But Um, but also work in progress, the things that are out on the shop floor. Absolutely. uh, The smart screwdriver we have in our own factory in in, um, in, uh, where we, Mm. we monitor the maintenance level. So instead of having a lot of people having to continuously check, you can get a signal and then, you know, use your time yep. better, just check it. Mm. Uh, and then s- same factory could have, you know, some some video communication link or AR, VR schematics for somebody working on an assembly line, That's mm. the broadband segment. And then for a critical IoT example, you could have remote control robots, you know, mm. uh, from, from a central point. And then I guess the last step, industrial IoT, you can have move towards a almost completely wireless um, scenario. Mm. See all four segments in in a few years in the, mm. the super smart wireless factory. Yeah. And I think we need to round things up here. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I mean, like this is a super interesting area and we completely run out of time. <laughs> We're talking so much. But uh, yeah, this was just very very interesting and and a good timing here when when we're we're actually uh, going out with some news in this area to mm. to do this podcast with you uh, so thank you so much marie for for coming mm. to this podcast uh, and uh, yeah that's it uh, remember to to 
send in your questions and comments. Uh, and the mail address is... Thank you, Paul. Uh, 5Gpodcast at ericsson.com. That's 5Gpodcast in one word, at Ericsson. Ericsson with C and two S's dot com. And thanks for this week. You will be back next week talking 5G secure and security. Thank, Thank you, you all. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you all. Bye. Bye-bye.